and welcome to BPI's Wine Wisdom. If you have been to a convention or you have talked about a convention with people, then you will probably know that BPI is known for its wine tastings. And unfortunately, this year, we are not able to clink glasses physically, but we decided that we would try to find a way to clink them virtually. Our leading wine guru, expert, awesome guy all around, and president of BPI, Gabriel Lopez Cafati, will lead us through wine wisdom. Hey, Gabriel. Hey, Anthony. Thank you for that intro. Yep, as Anthony said, we're used to clinking in person, and uh, this year is different. I feel a little bit weird because to me, wine is one of those things that it's better enjoyed around awesome people and good company, but we'll virtually connect. And um, we, just to let everyone know, um, I'm going to try to emulate as much as possible (laughs) as if we were in person. So the first thing that we want to do, since wine is uh, a social gathering in on itself, I would like to ask Brandon, who is our Zoom control person tonight, to please um, unmute anyone who wishes to raise their hand from our guests and introduce yourself, not a must, only if you want to, and let us know if you're sipping on something tonight and if you want to share what is it that you're sipping. And then after that, I'll go into talking a little bit of formal wine wisdom going from history to regions to varietals, um, different types of grapes and pairings and all that fun stuff. And then at the end, we'll open it up so that people can tell me after the entire session what they thought of the wine they were sipping after listening to what we have to say tonight. So, Brendan, do we have any raised hands? Yep. Um, Alan, you are allowed to talk. Yes. Hi, folks. Uh, first of all, congrats to BPI on your 20th, 20th year. And Thank you. I, Thank you. I, the, uh, ACB conventions are, are not a convention if I can't have wine with you guys. So I've got my <laughs> Behringer White Zinfandel. I don't know. I, I'm a good choice. Sweet tasting wines. I really like the sweet uh, stuff. I've got my I, two Hershey nuggets on my plate and some Ritz crackers to <laughs> to wash them down. So I, I, I'm ready to go. So I'm, I'm looking look forward to Look at you. Look at <laughs> you. I'm, You're really, really, really getting into the BPI. <laughs> uh, he's already got his pairings placed out. Yeah, that is that you. is uh, a uh, previous BPI wine tasting aficionado. aficionado. Yes, I, I've, <laughs> le- I've learned from your models and I appreciate all y'all taught me and uh, good luck at awesome. the rest of the convention. And, and I'm looking forward to tonight's call. Thanks. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, Alan. Miss Andrea, welcome. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hello, Gabriel. And um, my roommate, Pat, and I are here. We are not drinking wine only because it's a little bit early on the West Coast for us, um, even though it's five o'clock somewhere. But uh, I've been to several wine tasting events with Mm -hmm. you guys. And um, I'm a white wine girl. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Anthony, but I'm happy to be here. And we will just listen and soak up everything. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, well, we will definitely meet in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And pop up with questions, you or Pat, at the end if you have any questions. Okay. Okay, Gabe. All right, Brandon. Let's go with our next hand. Celia, you are allowed to talk. 
This is Cecily Nipper from Covington, Georgia, and I have a uh, Riesling, my favorite white, Ooh. and uh, Brie. <laughs> oh, nice. And nice Brie, great pairing. <laughs> yeah, very good pairing, Cecily. Good to hear you on the call. All right, Brandon, let's go with a couple more. Who else do we have? Richard. Is that Mr. Marion? Hello. Hey, hey Rich. So, Mr. Marion. Hey, Rich. Hey, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Corona. <laughs> it's okay. Anyone? See, like Andrea, it's it's a little early here as well. I've got a couple other meetings after this, so I won't be drinking any wine. But uh, my favorite wine is a rosé from a local winery called Grey Monks. Oh, rosé! Well, we have a surprise for you in a in a moment, which we could share some with you. <laughs> yeah, in person, and, but soon. And please send that wine label and information to the discuss list so we can add it to our wine list that we'll put out after this event. Thanks, Richard. Glad you're here. Brandon, who else do we have? And we'll go with two more after this and then let Gabe do his guru thing. Area code um, 782? 781? 781, sorry. Okay, that's all right. Um, <laughs> I'm Jessica. I'm Jessica Ballum from Massachusetts, um, and I am sipping on some Chianti. Um, oh. I'm a bit of a weird one because I'm a vegetarian, but I don't, I don't like white wine. I, I only like red basically. So, uh, <laughs> one of my friends <laughs> joked that vegetarians can't have red wine, but you know, no, I, that's uh, one of the things that you're, that's one of the things that you'll hear me say a lot tonight. There's no right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Chianti and I immediately think in my head. Do you still hear the screaming of the lambs, Clarice? <laughs> Brandon, two more. Who do we have? Uh, area code 215. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I know who Betty, that is. Betty Passanante from Philadelphia. And I do wish I we had... <laughs> I, do, I do wish we had something uh, in the wine category. Actually, I have a little ginger ale beside me. Uh, believe me, next year we'll be at your uh, gathering. No, <laughs> no, uh, no kidding. Anyway... Um, uh, my favorite, I guess, is, well, I like rosé. It's kind of all-purpose. I also like Zinfandel. Mm-hmm. And I love one that uh, uh, that's a little on the sweet side for some leaf from milk, the, like the Blue Nun and that kind mm, of yeah. thing. Mm, I like nice. them. They're, they're, a little, they're a little on the sweet side, I know. And probably people you know, like seem to prefer the drier ones, at least at gatherings like this. But uh, I enjoy that, and I enjoy it. By the way, I loved <clears throat> your Voices Around the World presentation. It was really, Thank really you. fantastic. They were Thank you so great much. people. Great people. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it. I really did. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, learning a lot and uh, getting yep. a bottle of wine in my hands <laughs> as soon as I can. Thank you all. Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, everybody, while Brendan unmutes our last uh, greeting, we will have time for questions and some more wine talk after Gabriel's presentation, so please don't worry if you didn't get a chance to say hello now. We'll get to you a little later on. Brandon, who was our last lucky hand-raising caller? Um, 602, you are allowed to unmute. I think I know who this is. No, you don't need to. Um, can you hear me? Go. Yes, there you go. Hi. Okay, this is Gail Wilt in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, I am drinking a Chateau Michel uh, Cabernet. Oh, good I choice. love a Chateau Michel, definitely. Chateau Saint-Michel from California. Love it we'll get a chance to chat with everyone um, and uh, we'll get started. So I will start in the way I like to start. So like I was saying, um, 
we will introduce this um, wonderful gathering with one of my favorite sounds in the whole wide world. You're out so you can listen. And that is the sound of <laughs> sparkling wine. And for those of you, uh, I know Richard and uh, a couple of other people, some couple of ladies I know did mention uh, rosé. We're not going to start discussing rosé right away. I'm just going to pour some for myself and Anthony because we like to not just talk wine, but also uh, enjoy wine and sip as we talk wine. So basically, one basic and very, very interesting question. Anthony, here you go. Cheers. cheers. And cheers to everyone here on ACB Convention, The Path to the Future. We are in the path to the future. So um cheers this is a rosé as i was mentioning um and we'll talk more about rosés and the specific bottle that we are sampling here so what is wine basically very simple wine is fermented juice of grape basically um the process of winemaking is the result of the fermentation of grapes And uh, before we dive into the more detailed uh, conversations, we, we want to talk about where does wine come from? Well, believe it or not, wine is considered the most important alcoholic beverage because of its longstanding history. And we're talking about almost 9,000 years ago, around 6,500 BC, the vine on which the grapes grow was the only fruit that was able to survive the last ice age that we had and was found in the region between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. And uh, from there, through birds eating the delicious fruit and through um, other civilizations that started, discover that started discovering the uh, uh, flavor of this wonderful fruit, started spreading it all over the northern part of Africa, Central Europe, Asia, and, you know, so on. Um, we'll get into American wines later because it was not until the 1800s when, uh, well, I'm sorry, European-style grape-making wines, that was a long, that was a mouthful, uh, was introduced uh, to California. So now that we covered a little bit of history and uh, we've talked a little bit about where wine comes from and how wine has been enjoyed for so many centuries. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the grapes used in wine because they're not your typical grapes that you will find at your local grocery shop. The grapes that are used for winemaking uh, tend to be smaller, uh, sweeter, and they have a uh, thick skin and many seeds inside. And um, the sweetness is a very important aspect of these grapes. And um, not that I'm trying to sound like a professor, and <laughs> not in the least, but the name, uh, in case for those of you who are geeky like me and want to learn a new name, a new fancy name, the um, variety of these grapes is called Vita Viraf, I'm sorry, Viti Viraferis, which uh, comes from the Latin, and that's just the name of the grape that is used for winemaking. So... What is it about the sugar that makes these grapes so fundamental for winemaking? Well, guess what happens in the process of fermentation? 
the sugar within the fruit actually is what becomes the alcohol in the must. Must is another name for grape juice, basically. Uh, a specific grape juice that is intended for fermentation to be converted into the, you know, uh, the uh, alcoholic beverage that we know as wine. So having said that, um, I am going to go into a little more practical matters. So uh, there are some concepts that I wanted to go over before or while we are all sipping. And um, there's, in general, nine categories of wine that we'll find. Don't be um, intimidated by that number. It's actually very, I'm sure you all know this. And what we try to do with uh, our BPI wine tastings is to give you those words that match your palate because we know that we are all wine connoisseurs. We all enjoy wine and sometimes we feel intimidated. When you feel intimidated, you find yourself uh, and probably at the end um, when we open it up for questions and comments, many of you are going to tell me that's right. That's what I do. We discover a wine that we like and then we keep going back for that same wine because we're afraid of trying something new. So what we try to do with all these wine tastings here at BPI is to help you discover your vinyl type. So that will help you in turn expand your palate and expand your wine experience and look for new and exciting wines that may become another of your favorites. So having said that, going back to the nine categories of wines, we have sparkling, which we'll talk uh, about in a moment. Then we have three categories of white wines, light body, medium body, and full body. Then we have rosé. Then we have same three categories for red, light body, medium body, full body. And then we have dessert wines. So um, that in general is your big list of wine categories. However, uh, we can also go into uh, different varietals or varieties. So one of the things that, um, and I'm going to be throwing a lot of words, just, you know, wine words out there because it is called wine wisdom. Wine wisdom. Don't uh, feel bad. Don't feel that you, you know, you have to be taking notes. We need to be enjoying. <laughs> I think that's Anthony asking for a refill. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, you're close. Yeah. Okay, cool. In a moment. Um, just wanted to talk a little bit about some varietals and also about some regions. And like I said, we're going to be throwing around some words so that you can expand your wino vocabulary and uh, you can you know, start incorporating that into your already, because I know that we know that if you are here is because you enjoy your wine. So uh, we're all wine experts. Okay, so starting out with the categories that we mentioned, Let's start with sparkling, since we're already, Anthony and I at least, sipping some sparkling, and I know there was a lot of interest for rosé. Basically, sparkling wine is a wine uh, made from the same grapes, um, except that we're going to go into varietals in a bit. And uh, they're just submitted or subjected to a process of double fermentation. So that double fermentation, in the first part of the fermentation, the actual fermentation process i know it sounds repetitive but the actual fermentation process takes place the second part of or the part two of the fermentation is where actually the bubbles come into play the carbon dioxide and um i know that most of us 
are very, very prone when we talk about sparkling wine to saying champagne. And this is one of like our favorite questions when we're in person at a wine tasting. And uh, Anthony, do you know why we shouldn't say champagne? I do. And I only know that because of you. We don't call all sparkling wine champagne because champagne is actually from the Champagne region in France. And it is a specialized sparkling wine. Yep, that is correct. Um, so yeah, champagne is a, den a denomination of origin, which any sparkling wine coming from the Champagne region in France is champagne. Everything else is what we're going to talk about right now. <laughs> so um, the double fermentation uh, that occurs can occur either in the bottle itself, which makes for a better and more structured sparkling wine, and is another characteristic very, very predominant in champagne. All champagnes are double fermented in the bottle itself, which makes it better and obviously a little bit pricier. Um, then oh, you have the option, uh, winemakers have the option and uh, wineries of fermenting in uh, the big either stainless steel or sometimes uh, wood containers. And uh, if we move across the map, uh, we have different types of sparkling wine. We have Prosecco from Italy. We have, uh, I know you do. <laughs> we have Cava <laughs> from Spain, also denomination of origin. Uh, Prosecco is from the northwestern part of Italy. And Cava is from the uh, Mediterranean part of uh, Spain. Everything else uh, basically is Uh, just known as sparkling wine. Now, some people tell me, um, Gabe, I like sparkling or champagne that is not so dry, that is not so sweet. And that's going to lead us into our next topic of discussion. How to know from a label when a wine is going to be within the level of sweetness that you like. Okay, so basically, for the process, the second process of fermentation, uh, sparkling wine Some wineries decide to add sugar because, as we mentioned earlier, sugar is what transforms into alcohol. And if you do it on a double fermentation process, then it becomes not only into more alcohol, but it becomes into what we know as bubbles. So some sparkling wines do not have added sugar. And these are the ones that you will see or um, read a label that says Brut. Uh, some cases, Brut Nature or Brut Sauvage. And basically, Brut is just like, you know, just plain. No sugar added. So that's going to be your very dry champagne or very dry sparkling wine. Then you will have your extra Brut, which I know may sound confusing, but is has a little bit more sugar or a little bit sugar added. So it's like your mid-road. And then you have your Sec and Demi-Sec, which in that order will... Uh, I'm sorry, Demi-Sec has the more sugar added and then your sec which is practically to me i'm sorry like eating a like eating a candy or drinking a a a very dessert uh, sweet dessert wine yes thank you um beauty about sparkling wine it goes well with almost any food it's great for fried foods so if you like your tempura if you're like your fried chicken it goes well with calamari to go yes fried calamari yes definitely And it also goes great with chocolate and other desserts. Um, so you can't go wrong with sparkling. It's a very versatile drink. It goes from brunch 
to lunch, to dinner, to afternoon. Uh, it's refreshing, so you can have it in the summer. It's you know nice and toasty when you're you know in wind in winter time and you're celebrating because it is a very celebratory drink. Now, uh, we talked a little bit about rosé, which is what Anthony and I are having, and many people here enjoy. Many people will be surprised to know that the color of wine is actually given by the skin of the grape. So when we are talking about white wines, any of the categories of white wines, we know that the skin is not part of the process. Actually, white wines are made through the process of actually extracting the juice from the grape and fermenting that juice once it has been extracted from the fruit versus red wines that actually ferment within the fruit. And then the juice or the must is extracted from the fruits once it is fermented. And that the skin is what gives the red color. In sparkling rosé, what happens is that there is a combination. There is a blend, which we will also talk about blends. And Anthony and, and, and Brandon, I will need you to keep, keep, keep me on, <laughs> keep me in, in sync with time because, you know, when I start talking wine, I just lose control. And I just, <laughs> I just think that I have two or four hours, like when we're at a convention and I can keep going on and on. So, <laughs> okay, I'll keep, I'll make sure you're good. Thank you. So basically that's what, um, rosés, um, that's the, the process of a rosé. You either you combine uh, of wine that has been left with the skin, and that's what's going to give it a little bit of a taint of a color, and that would all will all depend on the winemaker and their choice of how pink they want it. It can go from a very light salmon color to a very intense, very very uh, dark pink. Um, once we're talking about uh, different types of wines. Um, I really don't want to touch the nine categories because I don't want to confuse anyone. And I don't want to, this is all about making you uh, feel relaxed about wine. So when we have the difference between white and red, many people say, I am more of a white person. I am more of a red person. Um, That is totally fine. Uh, You don't have to have a specific type of wine. Like I said, we're here to help you discover your wine type. So I'm going to make a pause right here to talk a little bit about what our wine tasting would have been in Schomburg and who was collaborating, but will be collaborating with us in future conventions is a brand by the name Cooper's Hawk. And I say brand, not a winery because they are not only a winery, but also a restaurant. They are a good source um, for, for those of us who are always eager to learn more about wine. Uh, they have a phenomenal uh, wine club and they have amazing food. They um, have wine tastings and uh, they have a lot of wine education going on all around the year. So may I, um, yeah. may I jump in for a moment, Gabriel? They also partner up with a lot of other wineries, a lot of other distributors. And when you do their monthly wine tastings, there's usually something on the menu that they've either partnered up with or that they're featuring because it's a great wine. So not only do they do they hawk their own brand, but they just really care about the education, the wine education, if that's something you're interested in. Absolutely. Actually, uh, I know someone's drinking Chateau Saint-Michel. They had a wonderful collaboration with Chateau Saint-Michel about six months ago, which became one of my favorites. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so now that we have uh, talked a little bit about, you know, giving you a tip and talked about uh, an awesome winery who is collaborating with us and will be collaborating with us in Phoenix, um, we are going to pause for a moment. So this you may want to take notes. <laughs> okay, there is a very simple, I, I like to kind of create my own process for wine tasting or wine sampling. And I'm going to share it with you. My favorite is the four-step process. Of course, we are the American Council of the Blind, and we are BPI. <laughs> so, And we are on ACB radio. So having said that, I will say that I will not spend too much time on part one, but I do have to, as any wine connoisseur will tell you, I do have to honor that first step, which is visual. Unfortunately, um, you know, that is something that we don't enjoy, uh, those of us who are blind or visually impaired. But fortunately, we have other enhanced um, opportunities. And I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you about them when I get to that step. Okay, step one is seeing. Um, there's a lot to see in a wine color, what they call the track. The track usually tells you how much alcohol the wine has because the alcohol is, is what makes it was it's what is what causes the tears in as you're pouring. And then you have the color, whether white or red. Whites can go from very, very clear, very pale wines to very uh, almost misty looking, very dense white almost greenish or greenish or yellowish colors same thing with reds reds you have uh very light wines that you can if you you know sighted people grab a glass and they put it against the light they can see through the wine and you also have wines that are so red that you can definitely not see almost actually purple that you cannot see a thing through that wine okay same not not a big difference for us okay second part of the tasting process is smell. Sometimes we tend to just grab a glass and sip right into it. Um, let's get into the habit of smelling our wine, um, probably even swirling the glass before we smell, because you know that has an effect on the wine and makes the wine breathe a little bit, um, get some oxygen and get some of the residual sugar uh, moving around, and then. That way, we make sure that all the aroma is captured by our nose and our sense of smell. Um, the alcohol, by the way, has a very important function besides the uh, spirit or libation part of it. Uh, the alcohol is the part of the wine that is in charge of making that aroma rise out of the glass and into our noses. So some things that we can detect, and here is when it gets you know, very, very fun and interesting. You're going to hear a lot of people say, oh, this feels earthy. It has notes of blackberry. It has notes of cherry. It has notes of leather. So those are all very valid. But you know what? You do not have to go to any kind of school. You do not have to be a sommelier. You do not have to be a connoisseur. You just need to trust your sense of smell and spit it out. Just say what you are smelling. There's no right or wrong, whether you're smelling blackberries or blueberries or flowers or if you're smelling pears whatever it is now i'm gonna stop in this uh this part of the process right now because when you do smell you can start building your the characteristics of your vinyl type because 
In between this step, and obviously I'm sure you all guessed the next step is going to be tasting, in between smelling and tasting is where you confirm your likes and dislikes about wine. And um, for example, you know that if you, I'm going to go into red wines first and then white wines as examples. So you know that if you have uh, notes, very, very fruity notes on a red wine, blueberry, raspberry, strawberry, um, most likely there's a heavy component of Merlot. Merlot is a very misunderstood grape because many people think that Merlot is not a good grape, but Merlot is just, it's, it's just a very versatile grape. And it, and it, and it, believe it or not, it is combined with other grapes and produces some of the finest wines in the world. For example, mm-hmm. Bordeaux, Bordeaux, the region, you know, Bordeaux, which is considered, you know, the, the climax of winemaking and wine drinking of the world. Uh, Bordeaux, uh, the majority of their wines are a blend between Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. Now, when you get other aromas, like a little bit more earthy, people are, are, can, can, you can, you can feel the aromas of maybe mushrooms or earth or even some minerals. You're probably talking about a more structured wine or more full bodied, which is by excellence a Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon or, you know, commonly known as Cab. And, uh, finally, if you have a combination of both, smells you're most likely looking at a pinot noir because a pinot noir has that rounded up smell of a fruity wine but it has that more bold flavor and taste in the palate of a more structured and full body wine so those are your most common of course there are many varietals just a side note there's i believe about 1300 varietals of wine of i'm sorry of grapes from which wines derive but believe it or not, only 100 of those varietals make 75% of the wines we, we, we get in uh, at least mass consumption. So I transitioned very quickly from smell to taste. And I'm going to use the example of white wines when transitioning to taste because we don't discriminate. We know that I'm a red wine person, but I know that there's a lot of people who are white wine lovers. So when Can you taste... We- Yes. Can we just take one pause and explain the reason why we don't really gulp that we sip and roll it through? Because if correct me if I'm wrong, but scent is at least 35 to 40% of the actual taste. It is. It is. It is a big percentage of the taste, not only in wine, but in general, but uh, specifically in wine, it is very important. And I'm going to also share a, a tip with everyone tonight. So, yes, it is very important because, and that will take us into another topic, which is some of the characteristics of wine. And, uh, okay, so thank you, Anthony, for the question. You're helping me structure this in a better way. You you see, guys, I, I miss all of you, and I miss hearing the clinking and the chatting and the conversations and the sipping because that helps me kind of focus and not go all over the place when it, when, when we're talking about wine. So, yeah, before we go from smell to taste, and uh, like I said, I'm going to use white wines when we go to go into taste as an example, like I use reds when we talked about smell. Uh, Anthony brings a very valid point uh, that we do need to make sure that the wine has some sort of very smooth and uh, not slow, but just make sure 
that the wine has a trajectory that goes throughout every part of your mouth. And why is this? This is because there are aspects of wine um, that are detected by different parts of the tongue. And those aspects, I'm going to go over probably four of the most popular ones, which are basically aroma, which we already talked about aroma. We have acidity. And acidity basically is that sensation that makes you salivate. You know, when you feel that a wine really makes your your gland uh, uh, segregate a lot of saliva, that, that means that it's a wine high in acidity. You have tannins, which tannins is uh, an astringent. It's, uh, it's also an antioxidant agent found only in red wines. And that is because the tannins are found in the skin of the grape. So as we mentioned earlier, the skin is not part of the white wine making process. However, it is part of the red wine making process. If uh, you want to get an idea of what a tannin is, basically a tannin is the sensation that you have, that you get when, for example, you, you leave a bag of black tea for too long in the cup. And then you taste it and it's like it coats your entire palate, your tongue. It coats the inner part of your mouth. And it feels like it's little particles grabbing on to your to your lie, to the lining of your mouth. So that's what tannins are. And um, that's why uh, full body red wines are, that are very high in tannins are usually very, very popular with steak and uh, other strong foods because they they coat the palate and they cleanse it and prepare it for the flavor of meat for example in this case and then the sweetness of the wine um, is another of the aspects that we're considering the sweetness is just how much sweetness is left in the actual wine after the, per the fermenting process from the grapes remember that we mentioned that uh, the fermentation occurs due to the conversion of sugar into alcohol. And uh, that's going to be determined not only by the type of grape that we use, but also by the age of the wine, how long we let it to ferment, because the, long it ferment, the longer it ferments, the more the sweetness is going to convert into alcohol, and then the wine is going to be drier the uh, older the wine is. And finally, uh, when we're talking about the uh, aspects that go into tasting, wine is alcohol. The alcohol level of a mm. wine is usually between 10 and 15%. And like I mentioned earlier, um, it's, you know, the purpose of alcohol is not only to take the place of sugar, but also to help with the aroma and the oxygenation of the wine. So those are things that we consider when tasting the wine. And each one of those aspects, acidity, sweetness, tannins, are detected by different parts of our tongue and different parts of our mouth. So that's why it's important to let the wine follow that process from the tip of our tongue to the very back of our throat until we swallow. And uh, when we swallow, actually, that's where we discover the level of alcohol of a wine because that's when uh -huh. we feel, you know, in the back of our throat, that's when we feel if it burns. It's a high, a high, le high level of alcohol in the wine. If it doesn't, then probably it's on the lower range. So I know that was a long answer to Anthony's question, but good point. Thank you for bringing me 
<laughs> to this very important part of the conversation. If we continue talking about taste, when we taste wine, there are many there are many things that come into play and there are many things that we like or dislike about wines. Like I said, and like I promised, we're going to use white wines as an example in the uh, part of tasting. And uh, there are so many other notes. As we talked about smell, there are so many other notes when we taste. We can taste flowers. We can taste fruits. We can taste grass. We can taste woods. Woods. I didn't. I did not want to say that because that's gonna take me back to reds. But no, I can. I can use. <laughs> I can use. I can use the aromas of either cedar, cedar, cedar leather, uh, vanilla with white wines as well. So, in order, um, many people do not like Chardonnay because they feel it's a very strong wine. It is. It is very high in alcohol level and it's very high in acidity. But it is also, believe it or not, high in uh, other elements that is, uh, you know, that, that gives it that sort of creamy vanilla flavor. And that is, now that I mentioned vanilla, that is what we were talking a couple of seconds ago. Whenever you feel, whether a red or a white wine has those notes of cedar, tobacco, vanilla, nutmeg, any spice or any leathery woody, that means that the wine was fermented in wood barrels. Most popular use is oak. And what happens is that, you know, fermentation process takes years. So the wine actually takes some of the notes from the wood and that flavor carries over into the actual wine. So Chardonnay is a very, very classically fermented wine uh, using oak barrels. So that's why you feel that oaky, smoky flavor in Chardonnays, uh, which also makes it in turn a very full body wine. Um, we, by excellence, and I think this is the middle of the road and very popular Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio. Uh, Pinot Gris, by, you know, according to the French, Pinot Grigio, according to the Italian, there's no right or wrong. <laughs> it's just a matter mm -hmm. of semantics. Um, Pinot Grigio, oh, and by the way, Chardonnays are really good uh, as a recommendation with, with a lot of seafood, but creamy mm -hmm. pastas or creamy seafoods. Um, Pinot Grigio, is um is the grape the pinot grigio grape is it's a high altitude which gives it you know it's cold climate rainy climates so it gives it a more earthy taste but it's lower on the acidity so it's probably if you know if if i may say so probably easier to drink uh than chardonnay and then uh we have sauvignon blanc and now that i'm talking about sauvignon blanc I am going to talk a little bit about some regions before we move on. We wrap up the actual tasting part because uh, I would like to recommend uh, if you haven't tried and if you're a fan of white wines, Sauvignon Blanc is uh, so far my favorite. Uh, Sauvignon Blancs come from New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand is producing amazing, especially the island of Marlborough, Oyster Bay, for example. They're producing excellent Sauvignon Blancs. And Sauvignon Blancs are uh, really good to pair with any white meats, whether grilled chicken, fish, seafood. And I also want to comment something. The theory that we must pair specific types of wines with specific types of food is outdated. You pair your wine, you experiment, you go around, and that's what we do at our wine tastings. For those of you who have been in person at our conventions and at our wine tastings, we invite you always to experiment and figure out 
And if it works for you, that's what counts and that's what matters. So having gone, I'm just going to recap because I know I made very long <laughs> stretches out of each step. Step one, seeing. We're not paying much attention to that. <laughs> Sorry, sighted world. Uh, smell, where we swirl, we inhale. By the way, I also wanted to mention that when you are taking your first whiff, you may want to have your glass close to your nose. Then second whiff, you may want to keep it a little bit away from your nose and just play with that distance and see what it costs, what it does. Uh, taste, uh -huh. which is basically where everything comes together. And at the end, believe it or not, the fourth and most important step for me is formulating your opinion. Did I like this wine? Did I not like it? Did the smell match the taste? Did is it high in acidity? Is it high in tannins? If you find that the wine, that no particular aspect of the wine sticks out too much, like it's too acid or it's too it's too full of tannins or it's too sweet, then that's when people use that famous <laughs> word that sounds something like you need to go to school for four years to be able to say, but you don't. As long as you feel that all of those elements are balanced, that's when you call that it is a well-balanced wine. And uh, most people tend to go with well-balanced wines where none of the elements stick out. And that's, like I mentioned, the fourth step of the process where you formulate your opinion. And once you start developing that, that, um, that ability to formulate your own opinion, then you can even take it a step further. And then you can start talking about pricing. Was this wine worth the price that I paid for it? Is this wine really affordable for the quality I feel in it? And then you can start deciding whether you want to go with a wine or not. Of course, we have blends, and that's where I'm going next. This might be a good time to ask a question that a lot of people ask. What mm -hmm. is the difference between a bottle of wine that's been aged for 20, 30, 40 years and a bottle of wine that you can pick up at the local liquor store? Okay, that's a very good question. Basically, not all grapes need to be aged for such a long time. Definitely, uh, your more full-bodied grapes uh, like Cabernet Sauvignon or Malbec are the ones that you will need to age for longer. Uh, the younger wines obviously tend to be a little bit, tend to remain, to maintain a little bit more of the sweetness of the grape. And um, they're also going to be lower in alcohol content. And uh, there's no right or wrong. Uh, what is m probably more important to consider in terms of uh, the, because the, 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 uh, the aspect of aging in a wine it's pretty much up to the winemaker choice. Uh, it's, you know, winemaking is a process in which they have to kind of create a choreography of what they want from the final product, starting from the vineyard, going through the, through the picking process, through the fermentation and bottling and aging. So that depends on the winemaker, what the winemaker wants from the final product. But most important, I think, is to consider something that many people have read or heard uh, it's called the vintage. The vintage is basically the year or the season in which the grapes were uh, harvested. And, you know, the countries that produce wine, that produce grapes for winemaking, the northern hemisphere uh, that 
harvesting process occurs between the months of um, August and September, I believe, August and October. And uh, in the south southern hemisphere, it occurs during the month between the months of February and April. And uh, the vintage is basically the year, the season in which it was harvested. And that has a big impact on the final product, on the wine, because, you know, if you really get into the, the whole experience of finding out, um, you know, what were the weather conditions, if there were any specific uh conditions that impacted that year's harvest in the specific part of the world if you know how many how many grapes or how many lots of grape actually made it through the process of collection and how many were used how many bottles uh did that did that season yield so those are you know the vintage is something that's really that's really more important than the aging the aging will depend like i said on the winemaker choice and also on the specific type of grape that you're working with uh the more full-bodied like cabs and malbecs tend to be older wines and then merlots pinot noirs tend to be a little bit younger pinot noirs are more mid-road actually and um i don't know if that that was clarifying enough anthony what do you think i think so yeah okay (laughs) so i think another important subject that also i get a lot of questions asked is uh, temperature what temperature should wine be served? So ideally, uh, red wine should be served at a temperature between 62 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, I know many people tend to say, well, isn't red wine supposed to be taken at room temperature? And that is correct. But um, like, if we go back to the beginning of our workshop this evening, um, thousands of years ago in Europe, Room temperature was is not, for example, what at least in my case, in our case, Anthony and I are here in sunny Miami, Florida. So definitely, room temperature is not what it was thousands of years ago in Europe. So, room temperature is sixty two, sixty eight degrees for red wines, and then white wines, which include sparkling, should be between forty nine and fifty five degrees Fahrenheit. So, if rule of thumb for me, the practical, I use a thirty minute mark. If you have a red wine and you know your house is uh, over 70 degrees normally, I would put the red wine for 30 minutes in the fridge and take it out, decork it, and decork it, and then let it breathe for a little while. Same thing with white wines and sparklings. If you tend to keep your whites and sparklings in the fridge, take them out 30 minutes before you're going to serve them and decork them, uh, except for sparkling, which, uh, like you all heard at the beginning, I believe that um, the popping sound of a sparkling wine is part of the experience of enjoying uh, sparkling. It's mm-hmm. part of the um, celebratory mood. To me, it, when I hear that sound, it either means brunch or it means something exciting. We're celebrating. So um, with sparkling, it's okay to decor right at the moment before pouring. However, it's also good to take it out of the fridge 30 minutes before serving. You don't want it to be freezing. Um, temperature does affect the, not only the aroma of the wine, but it also affects the taste of the wine. So you do want to be a little bit on point about the temperature of the wine. So what about breathing? Are there any standards for letting the wine breathe? Well, the breathing of wine happens more, uh, with red wines. Uh, red wines do need a little bit more breathing 
because of the fact that they have more that um, they require more oxygenation, especially the older wines, and they have more of the residual particles of the wine, which is nothing bad. It's just part of the process. So uh, don't be led to believe that uh, residual particles in wine is something undesirable. That is just part of the process. And uh, if you do want to get rid of the residual particles of the wine, that's when we go into the actual practice of decanting a wine. So you decant a red wine either by using one of those little decanters that you can pop in the bottle directly, or you can have an, an actual decanter, which by the way, Cooper's Hawk has some amazing decanters that <laughs> I have already hint, hint expressed that I would like one of those for Christmas. <laughs> intake Anthony, it, baby, intake it. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony says that, that uh, the decanters from Cooper's Hog look like a science fair experiment, which they do. There's this huge <laughs> thing. And basically decanting a wine is opening it up. Is is and A decanter is going to have, if you ever touched or seen a decanter, you're going to see uh, and feel that they have a very specific shape because what you want is for the vessel to open up so that the wine can literally breathe. Uh, because remember, the wines that have been corked for so many years have not had oxygen. So once they become they come in contact with oxygen, a lot of changes start happening, and that's when the real flavor and the real taste of the wine starts coming up. So red wines, definitely uh, older wines and full-bodied wines, red wines do need a little bit of air to come in contact with oxygen, and the more full-bodied and the more you know old older wines the more mature wines is a better word are the ones that actually uh, benefit a lot from decanting and from oxygenation how so, much does the wine change if any if you're slowly drinking and you have a bottle open for say two or three hours and a matter of hours it doesn't change uh, unless you're like you know if you're at the beach <laughs> where it's 94 degrees in a couple of hours it shouldn't change if the temperatures remain stable around where you're pouring you know that's not a problem with me uh, three hours a bottle <laughs> of wine that's unheard of <laughs> in my table so um the um as, lo as long as you keep it within the same temperature if you know it's very hot outside i would kind of keep it somewhere cool or keep it in the fridge just for a little while longer uh, but not not it shouldn't affect the, the 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 taste actually like i said in red the more they breathe the more the flavor expands and the more the notes on the wine definitely start kicking in and the notes is what we talked earlier about you know the taste and the smell of berries and leather and vanilla and all those great things that we all know and that uh, we're gonna start using or continue using the um the um the part of uh, that the wine that does actually start getting a little bit affected is if you leave a wine for days especially if there's a lot of oxygen going in if you leave it on cork even in the fridge that's when the wine starts changing a lot so um you know again i don't have that problem because I, no, we don't. Unless, unless we don't, we really don't like the wine, and in that case, we use it for cooking, which is sacrilegious. I know uh, most most uh, world renowned chefs say don't cook with something that you wouldn't drink, but you know, 
financially that's not very feasible uh so uh yeah but uh yeah if you if you if you want to keep wine for a couple or three days the suggested thing to do is to get one of those which are very cheap nowadays one of those um little things where you it's like a little pump that you put on 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 the on the opening of the bottle and you suck the oxygen in and then it immediately corks it so that way you make sure that you reduce the amount of oxygen because the oxygen you know the contact between the wine and the oxygen is what actually makes those changes to to occur and sometimes not in the best way so that's those those are some tips and and tricks to to share if you know that you're going to have leftover wine or you could call me you could call us <laughs> and we'll happily make sure that you don't have any leftover wine <laughs> uh i know what i know we we didn't cover many uh, of the pairings uh, i just talked a little bit about pairings because i know that typically uh, we've been doing these wine tastings uh, bpi has been inviting acb community and all convention attendees to these wine tastings for a number of years now so i know that m one of the most popular questions is pairings so i intentionally just kind of covered them just lightly because i know that we're going to have some questions and comments and also because uh, i i am i am a big proponent of debunking that myth that red wines need to be paired with red meats and white wines need to be paired with white meats um, we really want to debunk that myth because mm -hmm. uh, one of the companies that I worked for a couple of years ago as a wine consultant, they, I love their motto. And, and honestly, I don't work for them anymore, but I stole the motto from them. You know, it's <laughs> don't pair the wine with the dinner, pair it with a diner. So, you know, you are the diner. You decide what, what feels good in your palate and uh, you go for it. You experiment. There's no right or wrong. And uh, same with smells. There's no right or wrong. That's why I always, we always encourage people when we're at the wine tastings in person to whatever you smell. Some people have said rotten bananas. Uh, I don't know, wet socks, stuff like that. It's, it, there's no right or wrong. You can go to a perfectly well, go to wine encyclopedia online and you'll see that there's no right or wrong answer when it comes to your impressions of wine. It's just a matter of opening up your mind, your palate. And uh, I also, like I said earlier, I do believe that good company also can make or break a wine. Amazing. So, Absolutely. So, yeah, um, I'm, I want to check on time. I still have a lot uh, to say. but You I, have literally like 16 minutes left. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Then let's open it up, please, for hand raising. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> You're welcome. While Brandon is pulling up the first person, our president. 971, you are allowed to mute. You're allowed to talk? I don't have a question now. I was going to at the beginning, and I didn't know how to get my hand down. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Here, I'll, I'll, okay. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Deborah. you um, are allowed to talk. I can't believe that this was almost as much fun as in person. I've been coming for three or four years, and you are so awesome. Anyway, so, um, and you didn't, uh, the, as you were having people tell in the beginning, I'll tell you what I'm drinking, which is a dark horse Cabernet and it's mighty tasty, actually. It needs a refill. So, um, anyway, <laughs> um, my, my question is though, I got all excited and forgot I was on mute when you were talking Cooper's Hawk and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause, um, I am from Cincinnati, and one of my best friends and I bought a membership together at Cooper's Hawk four or five years ago. 
and went to a lot of wine tastings and dinners and actually spent, we spent a couple of our Thanksgivings there Mm -hmm. on their dinner. And now I'm in Florida. So I haven't been for about nine months and I've, or six months. And I've been really worried because she's telling me it looks like they're closing. So what I want to know is when you said partnership, do you mean ACB or BPI? And what can we do to support whatever the partnership is? Because I love Cooper's Hawk. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. We do love Cooper's Hawk. Um, (laughs) I really don't think they're closing. I mean, they have had, you know, like every, like every, um, every business in the uh, uh, restaurant industry during the last four months. Yeah. Uh, the partnership is with directly with BPI. Okay. And they, what they, what they have, uh, you know, agreed to do with us is um, just supply the wine for our tastings. And, uh, and, you know, they know, they know us personally. We have interacted. We go to our local here in Miami and uh, we got introduced to the people from the headquarters in Chicago. And we have built a very nice relationship and, you know, I've, shared my credentials and expertise with them and they trust us enough to conduct a tasting using their wines at conventions. So, so yeah, that's the partnership and uh, yeah, fingers crossed that they will remain in business and we'll definitely yeah. have them in Chicago. I mean, I'm sorry, in Phoenix. In Phoenix. And <laughs> if may I, I can... ask another, another question? I'm sorry. We have 10 raised okay. hands, so I'm okay. sorry. Oh. Okay. If I can step in for one second, if you go to their corporate page and go to special events and let them know that you enjoy tonight's wine tasting and specifically mention BPI, that will greatly increase the partnership for next year's wine tastings. Go ahead, Brandon. Who's next? 916, you are allowed to talk. I was just going to ask about tannins. Um, Do you have a a quick way to tell uh, or some maybe some types of wines that have lower tannins? Or if like, is there something to look for on the label? Just because um, I have to be careful with those. So. Oh yes, I know that there are some people have definitely uh, health considerations, migraines, and things like that. That yeah, that yeah, don't don't go well with tannins. So basically, <laughs> try to look for younger wines and blends. Uh, that's the beauty of blends. Uh, winemakers have discovered that blends are the best way to grab the best of all worlds, basically. So they get the fruitiness from the Merlot, a little bit of the tannins from the Cabernet, a little bit of the spiciness from a Zinfandel. And then, you know, they mix all of that. And then you get a very, very well-balanced wine at a very affordable price. And like I said, either stay away from the very, very structured wines like Malbecs and Cabs and go more towards the Pinot Noirs, the, the Merlots, or the blends. Okay. Blends, perfect. blends, Thanks. blends. Yeah. Brandon? Martha, you are allowed to talk. All right, let's go to the next one, Brandon. Maybe Martha will come back later. Are yeah, I got it. Seven eight one. You are allowed to talk. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Oh, oh sorry. Go, yeah. I just couldn't find this button. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was a great presentation. I want to ask you um, that this word spumante. Does it? Do you use that on wines as well? Does, and what is spumante? I don't know. I've heard it when it oh. refers to some wine. So, is it a, a yeah. brand or is it like a type? You know. Of- it's Pumanti is a type of kind of sparkling wine, but it's, oh. it's, it's a lot, it's loaded with a lot of sugar. Um, mm-hmm. So that way, yeah, so Ooh, that way no. they make it. Yeah, yeah. So I would stay away from Spumanti. And if you, if, yeah, if me you too. rather, if, yes, if you rather um, go with a Prosecco or any other of the sparkling wines, yeah, they have less sugar, much less sugar. Thank you. You're welcome. Brandon? 
Um, I'm seven eight one. I think you. Yes, I did. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> um, so uh, actually, I had the question related to. Um, I am prone to migraines, but I can drink some Cabernet and some Malbec and things like that. But I, there are some that I can't. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about like <laughs> anything about that? Anything that might make the difference, like? Um, yeah. That I yes. can look for to know. Yeah, when 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 the migraine is is is, is an issue, the uh, tannings is what to avoid. So if you if you have enjoyed cabs and malbecs, you know, uh, full bodied structured wines like those, and you experience that uh, th- they don't affect you as much, that probably is because it's it's a very young wine. It's not so so a, it's not aged for such a long time. So for example, we're twenty twenty. If you look for a a vintage 2017, 2018. Those should be the wines that are, are good for you, even if they have tannins. They they will not have too much of them, and they will not affect your migraines. Uh, stay away from oh, okay. you know, 2014, 2013, and, 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 and further. Before we jump to the next person, I want to give out BPI's information real quick. You can find us at blindlgbtpride.org. You can reach Gabriel by hitting the president at blindlgbtpride.org. You can ask him all kinds of wine questions. And I'm going to throw in a quick challenge like our esteemed president did this morning. If you enjoy the wine presentation and you've enjoyed presentations at a physical convention, hit up our Facebook page, also blindlgbtpride.org, or put it on the ACB community channel that you enjoyed tonight and you want to see some more BPI wine presentations. And if we get enough hits, we'll do some community calls based around wine. Brendan, who's up next? Barbara. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Great. Uh, I guess I could say buonasera. <laughs> uh, good evening. Well, it's almost evening here in Louisville, Kentucky. This is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to say uh, grazie molto for the uh, fine wine tasting presentation tonight. This is my very first one. And I would like to thank you also because you've given me a bit more information for my chapter on mm-hmm. a wine tasting that I'm going to be writing in a book that, that's called What Lies Beyond. It's a oh, literary wow. fiction novel. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm very much into the Italian uh, wines, uh, specifically the Norel de Avila uh, with uh, Cabernet mixture. And yeah. I also like the Florence uh, Chianti. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Grazie, Alain. <laughs> and Foxworth? What is the difference between the word variety and the word variety? Why do wine people use the word varietal? The you know yeah that's that's a, a a very good question actually it basically amounts to almost the same varietal is uh, just the specific type of grape so uh, like we mentioned some of them Pinot Noir Pinot Grigio Cabernet Sauvignon Cabernet Franc Malbec all those are varietals and then varieties are you know within the same varietal. You have a, for example, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon grown in uh, Bordeaux, which is uh, 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 the altitude is so different than a Cabernet Sauvignon grown in California, which is Valley, most of it, and or or Walla Walla, for example, which are more closer to sea level in many cases. 
So that's the variety within the varietal. But the varietal is the, the, the most commonly used word, and it refers to the, to the single grape. Thank you. You're welcome. And just let you guys know you have four minutes. All right. Okay. Do we have any other Marty, questions? you are allowed to talk. Yeah. And I'll just tell everybody that we are having our social tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. And Gabe will be there. So if you have one questions and you did not get to ask them tonight, come to the BPI 20th anniversary social. Marty, are you there? Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, Marty. Yeah, hi, I'm Marty from Philadelphia. I've been to a lot I know of your who you are, Marty. Day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I would hope that you have a community channel. I mean, community uh, like wine tasting. I would be in on them. And I know you would, right Marty. Now I, yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't have wine, though. I had coffee this evening. Oh, okay. But okay. I do have, I do get wines from Naked Wines and, and mm-hmm. wherever, you know, the people that I have wine with get them from. So well, thank you, Marty. Marty. Find our I, page I, on Facebook and throw that up there, and we'll do some yeah. more of these. And check out Cooper's Hog. You may have a local one. Uh, and also, I'm glad to hear you because I was thinking that, uh, you know, I know who our regulars are at uh, in-person conventions, so I wanted to hear those voices. So thank you for joining us, Marty. Brandon? Lurts, you, more before you are end. allowed to uh, talk. I'm sorry for butchering your name. Hello. 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 Hey Gabriel, it's Lourdes. Hey, hey Lourdes. Hey Anthony. <laughs> Hi. Good to hear you guys. I miss you. Yes, we miss, we you, miss you, Lourdes. <laughs> I just I poured were... myself a glass of a dark red blend. Um, awesome. how do you feel about the dark red blends? They're good. I mean, uh, I like uh, as far, when it comes to blends. Um, if I'm gonna go for a blend, I like a blend that is very well balanced because there's it, otherwise there's no reason to have a blend in my perspective. Um, I, I you know some some notes may be more predominant in some blends than others, but definitely um, a dark. There's nothing wrong with a dark blend. It just means that it's uh, that it it's is heavy. Uh, it's it's heavy and it's made with full body varietals but it should have a very, very well balanced. Yeah, I never noticed the, the dark red blends. I always buy red blends, but this one yeah. says dark in front of awesome. it. Awesome, awesome. Well, cheers. Yes, we'll find hear us you guys tomorrow night I at really, 7. I, hey, Anthony, I really enjoyed listening to your explanations of wine. It's Thank awesome. You, Thank you. And, and I look forward to seeing you next year. We look Absolutely. forward to clinking in person in Phoenix. All yes. right, Brendan, one more before we close out. I don't think we have time for one more. It's 4.14. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, thanks, everyone. Uh, like Anthony said, um, hit us up in our web page or come tomorrow at 7 p.m. We have uh, BPI's 20th anniversary, and I'll be happy to answer questions. And we'll consider the option of having community calls around wine tastings. I love wine and wine talk and wine tasting and wine sharing with all my wonderful ACB family. So thank you everyone for joining us. Thanks, Brandon, for your thank you, Brandon. You're welcome. Thank you, Byron, Byron, for streaming. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.